Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke from That Film Stew. My co-host today is Jason. Hello there, and yeah, I'm very excited to come on board with this episode. I thought it appropriate to have you on here as we have covered every MCU movie since Ant-Man. It kind of oh, makes sense. Weird place to start, but yes, that's true, Ant-Man. Kind of, yeah. Well, we, well, you may remember we had a couple of failed attempts at Avengers Age of Ultron. Oh, early days. Issues. We don't need to go there. Audio to go issues, on. which is not the best for an audio medium. But anyway, <laughs> today's topic, WandaVision, Marvel Studios' first original series. Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany reprise their respective roles as Wanda Maximoff and Vision from the MCU, while Deborah Jo Rupp, Fred Milamed, Catherine Hahn, Teona Paris, Randall Park, Kat Dennings and Evan Peters also star. This is your warning, we will be talking spoilers. WandaVision, here we are. I have been waiting to talk about this show. So much to, so much to get into. Yeah, it, it was weird. You know, I think it was like it, we got to about the sixth episode, and then I brought it up with you. I was like, "Have you noticed that neither of us have mentioned WandaVision to each other?" And that's six episodes in. And if you've seen this show, you know that there's things to talk about. And we just and you said to me, "You're like, yeah, that was intentional. You you never brought it up." for the purpose of this so here we are itching to get into it well i wanted to save it up and originally it wasn't my plan for us to do this but we kind of i think you may have mentioned wandavision and it just sort of clicked as i said earlier it does make sense for you to guest on this episode because i mean we've had marvel shows starting with agents of shield Hashtag is all connected. We've had the Netflix Marvel <laughs> shows. So we've had Marvel shows, but this isn't a Marvel TV show. It's a Marvel Studios TV show. Yeah, and that's the big difference. This is the first time that Marvel Studios, led by Kevin Feige, who, you know, has pretty much, well, yeah, literally like brought us in the, the MCU and has overlooked the whole thing. Everything that you love about the MCU has come from Kevin Feige. Not everything, but, you know, the, the, the most of it. This is the first TV production, Marvel Studios. So forget Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., forget Agent Carter, Daredevil, Runaways, Cloak and Dagger. Do we even mention that Hellstrom show? I don't know. Whatever. Well, Doesn't Marvel don't. Important. So I don't, oh. <laughs> they don't mention it, so I don't know why we should. <laughs> oh, but this is, yeah, legit MCU. And, you know, when it... Okay, not when it starts, but, like, when you're in the, in the you know, the, the, the deep you know, center of WandaVision, you're like, yes, this is straight out of the MCU. It, it's a part of it. There's no question. It, it feels like it, 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 you know, has the quality, the expense of an MCU cinematic production. Um, it's, yeah. It's, Disney um, Plus, it's where it's at. And uh, <laughs> yes, well, yeah, Disney Plus, Mandalorian. So they've got Star Wars covered, and now with, with this show, they've got Marvel covered. But, you know, originally, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was supposed to be the first Marvel Studios TV show. That was always intended to be the first one. Delays happened due to COVID-19, 
and it got changed around so we got one division first. And we don't have to wait long for Falcon and Winter Soldier. There's, there's just a one-week gap until we get the season premiere of that show. But I think getting one division first was perfect. It really allows that transition from the big screen to the small screen, the way that this show is... I got a literal sense. Like, yeah, but in it, premise. it just it works so well. I mean, for the most part, with Falcon and Winter Soldier, it looks like the big screen or the small screen. But the setup of this show, it feels made for TV. So it's just perfect that this is the first one that we get to see. I mean, the runtime, I'm a big fan of the runtime. And, you know, we you know, mentioned Mandalorian already. It's what they're doing with that as well. Like the episode is as long as it needs to tell a particular story or a chapter. And if we're looking at the runtime of WandaVision, it's anywhere between 29 and 49 minutes per episode. I mean, I could, I could jump in there and say, you know, if there was one negative about the show, it's almost like, I think some of the episodes could have been longer because they, I mean, a lot of them did come to a natural sort of finish and, you know, like I would say they are what they are, but some of them, they could have been expanded a little bit, a little bit longer and it would have been okay. But I got to say, you know, like, I was watching it week by week, like I'm sure uh, many people were. But this weekend that just passed, you know, like I watched the, um, you know, the making of thing and we'll talk about that a bit later, um, I'm, I'm guessing. But um, I marathoned the whole the whole season, um, you know, as if it was a movie. You know, I didn't watch the credits every single time, if at all. Um, but it was a fairly easy, you know, it was about, it was, I think it was just over five hours of just the actual core part of the show. It was, a, it was easily digestible. You said you didn't watch the credits. I've actually got the, the, the details here. Four hours, 22 minutes. So that's just with no watching, credits? No credits. You're skipping that and you're just watching all nine episodes. So a full rewatch, it's almost a four and a half hour movie. Okay. I thought it felt like five, but maybe I paused in between <laughs> You're in there. the recaps logos and credits add up to 84 minutes so that would push it out if you accidentally watch some of those you know you put this idea in my head of watching it like that but i put it on too late last night so what i ended up doing and i've done a full rewatch so i've now seen it start to finish twice including the making of you mentioned so in total like i did five episodes last night and then the final four this morning, so I did it in two in two sittings. But I think the, I like the runtime, and again, like just going back to, it's as long as it takes to tell that particular story. I wouldn't want yeah. them to stretch it out. I mean, we mentioned those Netflix Marvel shows; they were committed to sixty-minute episodes, and each season was made up of thirteen episodes. So you'd have to sit through thirteen it's- hours. And sometimes they just dragged and they just weren't fun. And But we're not here to talk about those. I'll leave that to um, the other guys. We've covered all the Netflix shows already. Good, but good, my good. point being, though, not one minute of WandaVision across all nine episodes dragged for me at all. That's right. And if you're talking about, you know, like the fact that some episodes, you know, shouldn't have been any longer, I mean... The first two episodes are literally like television. 
you know, like sitcom emulations, they shouldn't, they couldn't have been any longer than they were. If anything, they were already too long because, you know, you think of a sitcom back in the, in the day, you know, fifties and sixties. Yeah. They would have been 23 to 25 minutes long, you know, with some commercials and they're probably a bit longer than they are these days, but we're getting a 30 minute episode. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's a little bit longer, but there is that big chunk of credits and we should mention how annoying was it every time. I mean, the villain of this show really was that please stand by thing. You, know, you, get, the, you get the end yeah. of the episode, you want more and it's just like, please stand by. Ah, oh, up yours. <laughs> if, I, if I have a criticism, it would be the duration did, like I said, it did include the end credits. And they were, which, they were really long. Which were long. That? So the episodes ended up running for a lot longer than the reported runtime. Well, you know, that's, that's okay. Yeah. But to my knowledge, we didn't get any warning of mid or post credit scenes. I missed, you know, the, the first one that we get, the first mid or end credit, whatever it's called, mid credit scene, I guess, where um, with uh, Monica and fake Pietro I missed that one because by that stage I, I was like oh, I'm I, not gonna I didn't, worry but it's because we're watching it at home we can pause it and we can see where we're at and I'm looking like some of them like the episode at end you have 10 minutes left you're like what there must be so something I'd, I'd scroll and I'd find something else okay let, let's go back to those first two episodes because the show did air the first two back to back which I definitely think was the right choice because this is a very different thing for, for the MCU. Like, so not only is it Marvel Studios on the small screen, they're wanting fans to start with what looks like a sitcom from the 50s. So I we're mean, talking a, yeah. black and white, which I yeah, have well, no I mean, issue with, but I saw a lot of criticism online. People really bad-mouthing the show, thinking, oh, this is rubbish, I'm out of here. Marvel, you have no more of my money. Like, whoa, calm down, man. Like, calm down. Oh, people are so impatient. It's yeah, nuts. but by episode three is when it starts to feel more like what you know these characters to be and to be more in line with what we've seen before. So I thought it was a good idea to at least uh, the first two back-to-back so people could get more of a, a feel of it because each episode jumps forward a decade. So from the 50s I mean, if you, to the 60s. Yeah, if you look at it like the, you know, like you said, that Falcon and Winter Soldier was meant to be the first series, you know, in this in this lineup sort of thing. Yeah, it seemed like more of a, it seems like more of a traditional show. And you know what, it's it's just around the corner. I could be dead wrong. It might be just as bonkers. But WandaVision, to start with this one, like it is such a bonkers premise once you get into it and work out, okay, this is what the premise is. But I, I got to ask you, like at no point, like, I always assumed that there was something, you know, like whether Wanda was behind it or whatever, that what we were watching was something grander and there was a real MCU presence there, if, if that statement makes any sense. Like, surely you had the same assumption. 100%. 100%. Like, yeah, I was, like, I was along I for the ride. and I have yeah. no reason to believe that anyone would have thought otherwise. And I, I'm like, but like, why would they? It just seems silly. Like, of course, there was something going on. If you know, if you know the characters, even just from this, like just from these series of films, like if you know Wanda's character, you know that she's got crazy bonkers powers. Like it's it is 
a departure though. So if you if you're going, if you're somebody that's not read the comics because you can't. It's like a ten-year-old was like, <laughs> okay, oh, yeah. I don't know. This. I'm like, that's forgiven. That's fine. But if it's like you're a grown-ass adult and if you're spitting the dummy because after two episodes of this black and white thing, you don't see. There was a lot of it. There was a lot of yeah. negativity online. Now years ago, Tim, not Tim, Tom King. He he wrote a a comic or a maxi series, and it was all about vision. And he moved to the suburbs and he created a family, but they were all machines like him. So he had a wife, a son, a daughter. And that was really cool. So I had some exposure to the ideas that they're exploring in this show previously. And it was, you know, vision in the suburbs is wearing a cardigan or whatever, you know, like we get <laughs> in, in this movie. So I had some exposure. But there's still, they are still those characters from the big screen. So yeah, I'm, I was surprised that people were being quite, quite negative. But episodes three, four, that quickly went away. Like people yeah, were like... clearly enjoying the show and just the experience because we live in a time of binge, not necessarily the streamer, but just binging in general. Like everybody wants everything yeah. right now. I am so glad that we had to wait week to week. To watch I think, the new I think, I think there's, you know, there's, there's kind of a debate out there about what's the better way to digest a TV show. Is it to, you know, something like what Netflix generally does, you know, Stranger Things, um, The Crown, whatever else comes out. You know, it's all, every episode hits you all at once. You can watch the series in one weekend, then it's done. That's great. This going back to this weekly format, it's like within the weeks, my brain's ticking along. I'm having conversations with people. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and there is a dangerous side to the to the theorizing where it's like, you know, it can lead to a little bit of disappointment if if you're not prepared for a particular outcome. But if you're engaged and it's just fun. It's mm. it's back to that, you know, like you know, back in the day when it was, you know, you'd go on message boards on the on the old internet and you yeah. chat about the latest episode of whatever and, you know, you come up with stuff. It's it, it's great. Like, it's been so long. But I think if we got it all in one hit, if I had watched it like I watched it just on this past weekend, just in one in one go, I think it would have been a really different experience. Like, my, I wouldn't Definitely. have been thinking about certain been. things. Everything would have just hit me at once and it would have been like... There's no time okay, cool. to think nah. because you've all... Like, we won't get into specifics about individual episodes because we'll get to that later. But like when there's character reveals or cliffhanger moments, well, next episode straight away, you just, yeah, it doesn't well, work. I need that time to, I need those seven days to be like, what does that mean? It needs, like, what are they doing with that? Does it mean something? Does it mean anything? Does it, um, you know, like, is that character really being portrayed as, a villain, like are they? Or is there? What's their end game? What's their? I don't use end game as a that's, that's <laughs> It's uh, Marvel. You know, it's okay. Yeah, that's fine. We can do it. Like, what? What's? What's the goal? Like, is Wanda really behind it all? I don't know. Is the show being too obvious about these clues? I need time to digest and think and have those conversations with anyone who wants to have it with me. I couldn't find many, but that's fine because you wouldn't <laughs> talk to me about it. No, because I want to wait until now. That's it. And do it right now. <laughs> talk about it. I'm just going to word vomit until this is over. So be prepared. <laughs> okay. So the show does look expensive. The, the budget for each episode was around $25 million. 
So they're really it's a lot, yeah. It is a lot. Um, which makes you get your it, calculator out and t- that's that's <laughs> it makes it the most expensive TV series in history, beating the Pacific, which had a budget of twenty one point seven million. So I'd have thought wow. Game of Thrones would have been up there, but from what I found today, One Division is apparently the most expensive. Using my calculator on my phone that I've got here, 25 million times nine is $225 million. So, I mean, that's a... It's an MCU movie. That's a, yeah, a fairly pricey theatrical movie. That's, and we've got to bear in mind, we're not, they're not getting a box office intake. They're getting our you know, monthly or annual Disney Plus subscription. I've but... seen the stats. Disney Plus are doing okay. They're constantly on the rise and Disney are going to be okay. They can They're going to be fun. The show's already paid for. It's all good. We're okay. <laughs> okay, so, so one division, the plot, and we can get into more than that. But to begin with, it is set three weeks after the events of Avengers Endgame. Wanda Maximoff and Vision are living an idyllic suburban life in the town of Westview, New Jersey, trying to conceal their true natures. As they begin to enter new decades and encounter TV tropes, the couple suspects that things are not as they seem. Yeah, you know, just to address it initially, like, you know, you pointed out when this show's actually set. Think about it. This is the entirety of this uh, show is set before Spider-Man Far From Home, which happens, you know, months later. Uh, And we don't even find this information out until episode four when, you know, we see you know, Monica's sort of adventure and all that and everything that's happening with sword and stuff. But yeah, no, it's uh, so the premise we, we start with these, with this idyllic sitcom type life. We don't know what the hell is going on, but we're getting, we're getting decade skips. Yeah. From episode to episode. And we're seeing, because for the most part, Wanda seems to be, just going with it. But the cracks start to appear with vision. Paul Bettany, mm. Elizabeth Olsen, like we've seen them play these characters many times before. So they're very familiar themselves with these characters, but they are absolutely fantastic in this. And just seeing the cracks and the, con- the look of concern on occasion early on with vision really got me i really enjoyed all of that before we get more into the performances running this show we've got head writer and directing we've got jack schaefer so that's the head writer and matt shackman directed all episodes all nine episodes so even though we're jumping from decade to decade we've got that constant directing each episode which I always like when that happens. I remember watching The Haunting of Blind Manor, Mike Flanagan. Yeah. He was behind the camera on every single episode. It's nice when it's because this is it's less of a season one than a miniseries. But when you've got something like that, where it's a handful of episodes, in this case nine, when you do have that one constant director who's running everything. It's unique because like normally the upside to that is you get the same feel every episode. The show has one identity throughout. But with this show, it's almost like 
that's not the point at all. Every episode has its own. I mean, it, it does kind of bleed into one identity towards the end of it. But when we start, we're getting such a unique spin every time. So it's kind of, yeah, interesting though. Watching this show, and again, we can go back to the performances by Olsen and Bettany. We have seen them play these characters before across quite a few films, but they're never the focus. They're, they're always side characters supporting. Yes, they're always yeah. stood beside or behind Captain America, Iron Man, any of these characters. And we've seen them do impressive things visually, and we've seen their relationship develop. Even going kind back of. to, <laughs> even kind of, like it's always been there. Even, you know, Age of Ultron, like when we're first introduced to them, there's something, there's something there. It some doesn't... glances, some long pause, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I'll say this about the MCU, like, you know, because we're going to, I'm sure, praise the hell out of WandaVision. <laughs> but the whole Black Widow, Bruce Banner, Hulk thing, their relationship, I don't buy it at all. Like that feels like something that was just forced on us. Like we're told this is a thing now. Bruce Banner, Natasha, they have feelings, whatever. But it's different here. It's different with wonder and vision. So when they put them together in, in this show, like, and you know, there's a history of it in the comics as well. Like you buy these characters together. But it's really good, like away from the action, away from the other Avengers, just spending time with these characters. And it really makes me excited for the MCU on TV because we're able to spend a lot more time with some of the smaller characters. Like we're getting a Hawkeye TV series and they're going to introduce Kate Bishop. And we're going to see things from Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye that they probably never get to on the big screen. So I'm really excited for that and i was looking at a few articles with olsen and she was saying that what she really liked about the show it's depicting the character's mental illness and it's just it's closer to the comics in a way that they weren't able to do on the big screen i mean on this show we first hear her referred to as scarlet witch which we've not had you know, the character referred to as that previously, we end yeah. up getting a costume which is more in line with the comics. So these smaller, I'll say smaller because it looks cinematic, these smaller character pieces, we're going to get a lot more than what we would get out of the films. It's crazy, like, um, yeah, like, like the name, it's just kind of a thing they never did. And there's even the throw, like, a throwaway line of, you know, from uh, Hayward, you know, acting director of S.H.I.E.L.D., of oh, S.W.O.R.D., sorry, not S.H.I.E.L.D., or he's like, does she have a, you know, what is he, like a, a superhero name or whatever, like a, another name, an alter ego. And it's, it's like, oh, and then she gets it at the, you know, near the end. And yet the costume that everyone always said, she'd never have that costume. They were like, nah, some costumes just don't work. Yeah. You know, from the comic page. And, you know, we thought, all we were going to get was the nice nod throughout the, you know, the Halloween episode. And that's it. We'd seen it. Classic in the- costume. Yeah. In the promos, we've got her, she's wearing the bright red. And I've got to be honest, looks great. I mean, not the best yeah, at fighting crime, but it, it looks really good in that episode. That's cool. But, until but what we this... do get, 
that, 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 I just want to say that costume and the way they do it, like they deliver, they make oh, they it do. work and it's believable. And I'm like, holy shit. Again, it's 25 cool. million an episode. Like, because <laughs> what, what they've done with that costume, they've not, it looks like they've not made a costume for TV. It's like, okay, so let's make a new costume for her on the big screen. We're just going to have it as part of a TV show. But up until well, gonna, point, she's going to be back on the big screen. Like, we, we will see her again. Well, Doctor Strange is already confirmed. Yeah, in um, in the sequel, to, what's it called? The Mouth of Bandus? Uh, Something. The Multiverse of Bandus. Multiverse of Bandus, yeah. yeah. Multiverse being the key word. But yeah. <laughs> Mouth <laughs> of Bandus, that's something else. I can't quite put my finger on something else. But yeah, but until the fantastic costume, which we do get in the finale, up until that point, it's been red leather jackets, corsets, cool, yeah, eyeliner, you know, edgy. That's what they give us. Like she's she's like the, the the young spunky little superhero character that we've got. And I've you know I've liked her wardrobe. I'm like you know she's she's an appealing character in that well, regard. It, it works, but it's one of those things. Like the more success the MCU has, the more they're leaning towards comic accurate costumes. And it's good to finally see her costume looking like well, very close to what it does. In the comic, and then you've got Vision. You know, mentioned that Halloween episode of Scarlet Witch. We also get to see him. But there's an example there where she's like, "Oh, thanks for putting on the costume. It looks great." And then he's like, "There was nothing else in my wardrobe." And that's a moment where that the you know, oh, it's so, it's so good. And she gives him a glance. Ah, oh, they work really well. But anyway, yes, he's got his Vision costume. <laughs> But when he's got his standard costume, though, it is—it always has looked like a like a movie version of his costume, anyway. But it was good yeah. to see the classic. He's got the bright yellow, bright green, red face. Like he looked like a wrestler, or what does MVP yes. just say? It's like uh, he shocked that- corn or something. Yeah, one of the <laughs> one of the. But what a what a journey. Paul Bettany has had, you know, from starting as the voice of Jarvis on the first Iron Man movie, he's been there from the very beginning. And then with Joss Whedon on Age of Ultron, found a way to incorporate him again. And even in the show, the character makes reference to the fact that he's appeared in different forms. Two, maybe three times, you know, what will the next time be? But it's cool, like from Jarvis to Vision and yeah. Paul, just, Paul Bettany, it's great. But just on Paul Bettany, you know, like we have had, you know, small doses of him in the films, but with this, like, not only does his character, is there so much more to his character in this, even though, you know, it's, it's his, his character, is it not, whatever, we'll talk about that later. But like what Paul Bettany is allowed to do in this from the, from the early sitcom episodes to later the, the more traditional MCU visual portrayal that we get it's it's like he's just he's a gem he's such an asset to this this series this whole franchise really like he's such a shining light the comedic timing the the performances the just the eloquence of his delivery and everything he's doing like i cannot praise this guy i'm the same but he's yeah, because he really is he's doing it all, isn't he? And it just seeing, you know, you know, both the leads, 
when they move into the different sitcoms and the style of sitcom, and they're able to just stretch a different acting muscle, and they really can do it all. It doesn't matter which sitcom era you place them in. They nail it. And then you put them in the big screen superhero heroic battles or whatever. And they get and nailed that as well. They yeah. really do. It's as if it is different actors, but it's not. It's these guys doing it. It just all. shows the ability, like the uh, literally the ability of these of these actresses, of the actors, sorry, actresses, um, of these it just shows that the ability of these actors is so diverse and wide, like the range that they've got to be, you know, a, for Elizabeth Olsen to be a 50s housewife to a butt-kicking, you know, sorceress, you know, scarlet witch, like superhero, super-powered being. Like, it's, it's nuts. It is crazy. There's so much in between that. The yeah, it's full on. And her nose scrunches, man. She's a cute, <laughs> bloody actress. Yes. The number of times that she does it in this show, I'm just like, that's her thing. It's yeah. It she must be. See. I think that's a natural. That's an Elizabeth Olsen thing. I, don't I think would say yeah. Try it. Yeah, I noticed it a lot when she was interacting with the kids. Yeah, it came oh, out a lot then. Bit more cute too. Yeah, where he's yeah, it's he and he just. Like you're saying, when it's, I agree. I do also think that it's a natural trait that she has as an actress. But it, little things like that, it really pulls you in. Like when you see someone playing a part, because yeah. that's genuine right there. That's not acting. That's just something that's something that happens. The accent as well, you know, like when Ooh, she's in yes. the sitcom world, you know, like not only, I mean, obviously, an American actress. She, <laughs> she probably had a lot more ease doing that than her Sokovia accent. But, you know, like she's channeling that 50s, that 60s, you know, her, her American accent changes. And then in the back of her heads, we're like, why has she not got that? You know, where's her Sokovian accent gone? When she steps out of, you know, uh, the hex, you know, like her little world that she's created, her accent's back, her Sokovian accent's back. Later on where, you know, it, we, she's all done with the sitcom stuff. Her accent comes back, you know, when she's talking to someone on a real level, her accent's there. So it's like, you know, it's an actual choice that they made. It wasn't a goof. <laughs> Some people are like complaining again. Oh, the internet is so Honestly, frustrating, man. The early episodes, people were doing a lot of complaining. Let's move on from Wonder and Vision. Before we do that, the title. <laughs> WandaVision. Remember when it was first announced and we're like, it sounds ridiculous. Still does. I like it. <laughs> the title works on like, I don't know, probably 17 different levels. I probably haven't cracked them all. You know, like the fact that this is, you know, like it's like a television broadcast world thing that, really that works. that have created. Yeah. The fact that, you know, like Vision is a creation of wonder. It's like it's 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 like her vision of their idyllic life, and then the fact that it's her name and his name together, it works. I mean, that's probably yeah. It just works. <laughs> it works really well. But, oh, but so you know, cast your mind back. They announce this TV show and it's about wonder and vision, and they're going to call it Wonder Vision. And you're like, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> what you're going to go with? But now, like knowing what it is. And the show itself, it just, it fits it perfectly. And then 
with each decade, we get a new opening title sequence and a new catchy sitcom song. Perfect. It, it, yeah. Love it. And it's the same, it's the same composers like, uh, and like jingle makers and all that kind of stuff doing each sort of, um, new opening credits and stuff. And I think they've just done a, they've done an amazing job with each one. That they've, oh, they've done. it's, um, it's brilliant. It's, um, Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez. So they write in the songs. So, you know, for each individual episode and the score is Christoph Beck. You may be familiar with him. Um, he did Ant-Man and then he's done like various other things as well. So I like the fact that they went to a composer that used previously on the big screen for this. But um, yeah, like Lopez of Lopez, they really knocked it out of the park with each, with each one. Yeah, the songs were absolutely fantastic. Okay, we can work our way through the cast because there's... Um, there's many, you know, we've talked a lot about Olsen and Bettany, but there's others in here as well. I want to start off by talking about Deborah Jo Rupp. For me, I know her as the mum from that 70s show. So yeah. already with her, you're thinking <laughs> American sitcom. Job done. What? Like you're there yeah. already. Just by having I mean, her there, she's. It would have been funny if they had her in the seventies episode, but that's fine. All oh, good. Oh, that's 50, true. No, fifties works. 50 <laughs> works. I mean, for playing her husband in this, you've got Fred Malamed, and he's great. He really is playing Todd Davis, but at the same time, it's like, oh, if the is it Kurt Smith who played Red in that seventies show? Like, if they've got both parents. Been yeah, is that his name, Kurt Smith? Or? I think it's Kurt Smith, yeah, along those lines. But or anyway... Or Smith Curtis? It's something, <laughs> it's a variation of that, isn't it? But that may have been too distracting, though, to see them together again. And oh, also, yeah, no, maybe would've... to have had her be in the 70s could have been a bit of a distraction. A bit on the nose. But just having Deborah here, and she's got that distinctive voice, that laugh that we're very familiar with from that 70s show... So for me, she just screams sitcom. And yeah, she was she was good. Like we saw her in the initial episode. We get to see her again later on. But already, and that's why I was surprised that people were doubting this show. Because that scene at the dinner table in the first episode, and you've got Todd Davis, her husband, and he starts to choke. And she's laughing nervously. And he's choking, it's going on and on, and Wanda's looking nervous, Vision's just watching on, and then she prompts him to react, and then he saves the guy. But all of it, this again, this is episode one. And it's yeah. you're already getting weird shit happening. Already. I mean the the whole episode, like it's all shrouded in sort of like a you know, a Dick Van Dyke show kind of thing. Um, and there's you know, almost like like an episode of I know the Bewitch episode is episode two, but you know, it's it's like Wanda's trying to prepare a, you know, a, a dinner for, you know, the boss who's come to, to who's come for tea sort of thing. She's doing things, little antics happening in the kitchen. And then you've got these two, um, you know, straight characters who are, you know, they've got to keep all the secrets from them. It's like classic sitcom sort of stuff. And it's all it, like, that's all happening. And it's like all the jokes, it's all cheesy. And it, you know, like, there's laughs, but like the laughs aren't coming from what's actually written and what's actually happening in the situation. It's more the fact that 
we're in this surreal kind of world. And I think it's great having, having those two supporting actors in that first episode really does help it. And yeah, it gets really freaky when you start to get that peek into, Oh, something's not right. And then you know that it's like, Oh, this show's going somewhere. This isn't, this isn't the show. We're not just going to get nine episodes of here's a wacky sitcom adventure with wonder and vision. It's something bigger. It's a perfect first episode to get you sort of like, what the hell is going on? What am I watching? What does all this mean? Where is this going? Even if you have a rough idea, you're still like, where the hell is this going? It really you get is. a peek behind the curtain. Yeah, but and I, I appreciate the fact that they made, made it harder for themselves to have it appear or be as authentic as possible. And that's just the effects that you're getting all you know, all, you know, objects on strings or pull strings. Yeah. And when Wanda's using her powers, but they, they could have done that a lot easier using modern technology, but they wanted to go back. They brought in for that first episode, a live studio audience because they wanted that experience of the actors seeing the audience, the audience being there, their laughter being incorporated into the show. They went as far as having seating that would have been provided for the audience back in the 50s. <laughs> and you know, the, the, the crew were dressed era-appropriate clothing. Yeah. It really went to the, the lengths. And the episode's black and white, and I know you've watched the making of as well. I was surprised yeah. to see Vision with a blue face because they found that would translate best in black and white. But well, I, that's I love yeah, that's a filmmaking. That's a filmmaking thing. Like red doesn't show up; it doesn't look like red in black and white. Like it kind of gets lost. So yeah, the like the blue face <laughs> works best. Interesting. Catherine Hahn, holy crap! Let's just spend a little time talking about Catherine Hahn. I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I've always enjoyed Catherine Hahn in, in most of the things that she's popped up in, you know, different movies or TV. I, I think I know more from movies and TV shows, to be honest. Um, yeah, me too. I'm going to Bad Mums. Yeah. She was in that. She was the mum in The Visit, the M. Night Shyamalan film. She was a main... She played main part, but she came in and out. Yeah, she was that mum, wasn't she? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I, I've i seen her and she's had bit parts and things. And, you know, she's, she's always, always been good. And then WandaVision happened and you're like, <laughs> wow. Like, she, she is great. Like, whenever she's laughing and cackling and she is, wow, she is so good. As, well, again, like the, the you know, the I should give her names, though. She's good as Agatha Harkness. Well, there we go. Go straight to it. I mean, presented as just Agnes at first, you know, like the setting allows Catherine Hahn to just go all out, you know, like all these characters or all these actors are allowed to just pretty much overact and do their thing. You know, she, she's playing the part of like the nosy neighbor in, the, in these sitcoms. And, you know, there's always something a little bit more interesting to her. Out of all the supporting sort of neighbourhood characters that are about, she's the one that's always kind of there. She's probably the main, the main one. And then there's a, there's a reason for it, which we find out about later. And I guess you said it. You know, turn, she turns out to be Agatha, Agatha Harkness. Good point. Which, I meant to say Agnes. Yes. 
Yeah, <laughs> but, but I've also right. given I've also given the spoiler warning. Listen, oh, cool. no, no, we're not holding everybody, back. Everybody, everybody's seen, watched it. Everybody watched this. You but know, did, you know, did you did you know the character? Like, were you familiar with the it, character? The name, the name did ring a bell, but I. And when you look back at it, especially watching it a second time, it is so goddamn obvious. But I was I mean, thinking the, back, well, that's the thing. I thought they were being too obvious about it. They had her in the witch well, costume. She had like did, that headpiece thing. When she was in the witch costume, they had that episode where you've got Vision and he's going to the to the border. Yeah. And he comes across her. And he's he's up until that point, or and a few times prior, he'd had the ability to bring people out of the illusion. And then he uses it on her. And that's when she's got those scenes where she's like asking, is she dead? Because you, he's like, why would you ask that? Because you died. He doesn't know what an Avenger is, but he knows that his vision. And then, and then she starts freaking out and then he puts her back under. But then we later find out that that was all a ruse. Like she's really controlling everything. But that bit, having it in the trailer did throw me off a little bit. And as you say, a lot of it did seem maybe a bit too obvious, thinking maybe it's not that. But when it is revealed, She's the big bad. She was manipulating everyone. When we were in the noughties and you had the modern family style episode, she was the person behind the camera and doing all of that. Like she was controlling everything. And then you see her in full supervillain get up. She nails it. Like start to finish. Like she is faultless for me in this show. Like I don't want to make, um, I don't want to make this grand statement, but I think like she's, the type of villain that they've they've got her being, it, it's it's almost like I compare it to Loki, you know, like on paper, like on screen, like you know, she's presented as a villain, but then it's like it seems like there's layers to her. Before the last episode, I was still even up until the end of the, you know the eighth episode, I was like, is she the villain though? Like I still don't know what her actual motives are. Is she trying to actually help the people? And you can look at, at, at her character and say, if not for her, you know, the hex would still be up. All these people would still be sort of prisoners in this, in this world. Like she was like, Agatha that was part of bringing everything down, which is, you know, does that kind of make her a bit of a hero? It's sort of like Loki, a very entertaining, um, funny kind of character villain but then it's like there's layers to it and i could see her character coming back later on and i know in the comics she's sometimes she's been sort of like a mentor to to wanda so potentially could see her coming back later on down the line depending on how long wanda uh, maximoff is still around (laughs) um and maybe they interact again and you know they sort of talk witchy stuff it's it's interesting isn't it because you think yeah who is the villain of this and at times is it Wanda is it Agatha is the villain director Tyler Haywood acting director oh you know what I mean I still don't even I still don't even think he's he's a he's a a villain I just think he's a bit of a a bit of a dick he tried to for the most part he tried to shoot kids yeah, in a Marvel film, that makes you a bad guy. The, yeah, but the kids aren't real, so it's all good. And I think he knew that. Aren't they, though? Aren't they? I mean, yeah, it's... 
It's an interesting. I mean, no. Movie, I mean, isn't no, it? They're I, mean, not, I mean, they're, they're not real. They were conceived and based, like born in based a on Wanda's based on Wanda's power set. Like she literally does have the ability to bring people to life or even create people. Like there was a comic series years ago, House of M. Wanda said three words and it changed Marvel Comics for years. She said, no more mutants. And on the back of that, there was no mutants. So like a small handful of X-Men left. She's that powerful. So I say the kids, yeah, this, we, yeah, we heard the kids calling yeah, that's out. Right, yeah, that's right. We'll get to that. But yeah, but I like the fact with Agatha, yeah, is she the bad? Is she not? And then when it's revealed that she is, it's like, well, she's standing up to the Scarlet Witch, whereas she really is holding these people captive. You've got yeah. I mean, she, she's obviously got her motives where it's sort of like, you know, she wants oh, She's evil. And she wants all the power for herself. Yeah, yeah, she wants it for herself. But at the same time, it's like, she knows that it's like, oh, yeah, these people are kind of enslaved here. She's definitely, so, she's definitely two a birds, buddy. Two birds. Definitely <laughs> yeah. a buddy in this. But then Wanda, Wanda wasn't fully in control of what she was doing. Like to begin with, she didn't even realize that she was doing it. But then, of course, there's the, the manipulation. But um, yeah, wow, Catherine Hahn, she really is so good in this. And it's like, for me, whenever she like really pushed the boundaries of is this too much is when she was best. Like, yeah. It really was. Like the episode where it was revealed and she starts laughing and cackling and winking at the camera and holding the dog and walking. Oh, like it was just perfection. Like, oh, it, was... it was Agatha. Oh, <laughs> yeah, she was, uh, she was so good. We should probably talk about Monica Rambo. And this, right, yeah. this is the character that we were first introduced to as a child in the Captain America film. Captain, Captain Marvel, Marvel film. film. Not Captain there America. Yeah, they both took part, took place. God, she'd ago. be, she'd be like an old lady <laughs> if she was. <laughs> okay, okay. Captain America, Captain Marvel, they sound very similar. So yes, so she was the the child of of the mother who was friends with with Captain Marvel, not Captain America, and now here she is, all grown up, different actress, of course, because Captain Marvel only came out. A couple Maria of years. Rambo was the mom. I think that's right. Is it Maria? I think, yes. I'm and not fact-checking it, but I'm just... Monica just is the daughter played by yeah. Tiona Paris. Yes, you're right. Yeah, the, um, the daughter of Air Force pilot Maria Rambo. I have it Maria, here yeah. in, my, in my notes. Monica is a character that I was familiar with from the comics. She's a different superhero identity. She's been a member of various Avenger teams, Light-based powers, we get some idea in this series of what they are or what they may be. Different aliases in the comics, she's had Pulsar, Photon, and Spectrum. Spectrum's the more recent one, I think. But already setting up characters for, for bigger things. But she played a really good part in this, and I thought she was played really well. Initially, like you said, like introduces Geraldine in the sitcom world. I think we see her in the sixties, and then she's a bit more major in the seventies. Where I think, yeah, sixties was the first one. Yeah, yeah, and then and she's there. And what like it's it's that episode with like the childbirth or the the, the child 
the children birth. What's the what's the plug when you have twins? Is it still <laughs> childbirth? Birth. It... Yeah, it's still childbirth. I mean, it's, it's not it's not childbirths. Childbirth, yeah. Child, that. Childs, but anyway, not important. <laughs> uh, but what what her character's doing there, or what she as an actress is doing, like she's just going, she's just going nuts with it overacting but it's like it's perfect it works so well it's like that sassy sort of um african-american 70s style sort of um flavor to it like she's she's all about it it's it's fantastic great performance when it comes obviously to her reveal you know episode four is when we get that epic opening with the the um the unsnapping i guess when hulk snapped his fingers and people were coming back that moment sort of blew my mind. I was like, holy shit, like this is legit, like deep MCU. Like this is actually fully happening. We're getting more snap related stuff. This is great. You get her whole, you get the reveal that, you know, like she is Monica Rambeau and it's like, oh, okay, cool. We knew because, um, you know, we had read things about the show beforehand, but whatever, all good. What did you think of her getting her powers though? In this series, in this yes. series, like, well, I don't know how happen? I don't know how she got them in in the comics, but because of the nature of how she gets them in the show, it's going to be pretty unique to this. I I liked it. In you know it it works. So she's someone that she's gone through. What are we calling it? Like a the, like, like the, the wall, like the, magic the hex, hex wall. wall. Yeah, yeah. So she, I think by the end she'd passed through it maybe three times. So, and it had affected her. But then I'm like thinking, so as it affected her because she's a person that's been exposed to that numerous times, or is it also because she's also spent time with Captain Marvel? Like, has that somehow changed okay. her on, on some level? It could I think just if be the hex. Is, yeah, I mean, if the problem is like with it being, if it is just the hex or it is just Wanda's, you know, hex magic powers and stuff, it kind of opens the door to the fact that Wanda can essentially make superheroes. All she has to do is put up a hex wall and well, have someone walk through it three or four times. She made Wiccan, yeah. you know, who's <laughs> Billy, her <laughs> son. You know, he's a No, but I mean, like, she can, she can just be like, hey, do you want superpowers? Just walk through this beam of light that I'm going to project three or four times and it should be good. I mean, it was an accident, like it wasn't planned, but yeah, I mean, potentially. I mean, they make mention to the fact that she's more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. And there's that bit, is it Endgame or, I think it might be Infinity War, where she, by herself, comes close to defeating Thanos. And they even have a conversation in the show about that. It's like, oh, you know, apparently she came close to, just like you said, you know, like yeah, taking it, Thanos on by herself. And then there's this also like, whoa, I think Captain Marvel came close too. And then Monica, you know, like she kind of has a look. Like, is there some beef between her and Captain Marvel? Is she just resentful that she left and never came back? Or did something happen? Was the fact that her mum died of cancer? Did she did she get cancer from being too close to Captain Marvel? Well, we you know, don't like know. she yeah. uh, Oh, there's a lot more. Captain Marvel 2. Captain Marvel 2. I'm sure everything will be answered. (laughs) There's a lot more story to come. Let's talk Randall Park as Jimmy Woo. Randall Park, there's just something really likable about that guy. He was great in Ant Man. He had some great scenes (laughs) with 
Paul Rudd as Scott Lang. And here he is, an FBI agent working with S.W.O.R.D. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, a, a great addition. I think it's um, a character... I mean, he's not doing anything wrong in this show to make us sort of waver him at all. Like He's legit doing all the right stuff. You know, he's he's got some funny lines to say, like a bit of humour to the show. Yeah, great addition to pull from um, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, great addition. Continuum here. And that aspect of his personality, wanting to learn magic in Ant-Man and the Wasp, like he's really like <laughs> taken by what Scott can do and he's like, teach me everything. So even when he first brings out his ID or his, his card, when we're first introduced to him in this, and he just flicks it and it appears. Brilliant. Yeah. Slight of hand. Later on with the cuffs, Charles play for him. <laughs> it's uh, it's cool and early on, like as soon as he appeared, and we got Kat Dennings reprising her role as Darcy Lewis. I started seeing online all these mock posters of a X Files style spinner of those the two characters files. together. Oh, the Hex yes. Files! <laughs> I would love that so much. But yeah, more more Jimmy Woo, a character that was taken from the comics, and they changed him up slightly for Ant Man. But that's what I like about this as well, because, you know, we were saying with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it really does feel very familiar, like for those Captain America movies, which is a good thing, I think. But with WandaVision, because it's looking so different and it is so different, we end up getting to the point where it does feel like the characters we've seen previously on the big screen outside of the sitcom stuff. But sprinkling in other characters from the MCU made it look really familiar, even when it was really out there and bonkers. Like you'd cut to, oh, look, there's Jimmy Woo again. Oh, there's Darcy. And then you're back in the sitcom. It, I thought they played that really well. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think it's so good to have her back. I mean, I know people had um, you know, different feelings about Kat Dennings in those, in those first two Thor movies. Um, but, you know, I, I always enjoyed, always enjoyed you know, what she sort of contributed there, like comedy-wise and all that kind of stuff. I think, yeah, a bright spark to sort of bring back and it's a good place to do it. Like, find an excuse to bring a character back and, you know, she's pretty useful with her knowledge, so it more makes sense. She's the one that works out that there's a signal, she intercepts it, she tunes in to the, to the sitcom, she's the one that finds that. I mean, in this, her character is a astrophysicist. She was like, what, an assistant? <laughs> You got to bear in mind, I'm assuming she wasn't snapped in that time. Remember, uh, we're yeah. in like 2023 and, and stuff. Um, you know, oh, that's in a good universe, point, actually. Yeah, universe. Yeah. So it's, when did we last see a Thor 2? That was like, what, 2010 or something? I don't know. The years might be a bit off with the... She's being busy. So, I mean, it's, it's 13 years later. Hey, it's completely plausible. It's plausible. Yeah. You know, I've got no issue with that at all. And like you, it's great. It's great seeing seeing her back. Talking about actors coming back, though, let's talk about Evan Peters. How cool was that reveal? Wanda opens the door, and there's Quicksilver. And you're like, oh, my God, it's finally happening. <laughs> the characters from 20th Century Fox are appearing in the MCU but, like, film. Is that something to get excited about, though? That's the thing. No, I, 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 but in yeah, the moment, I found people yes. are like, when <laughs> when it happened, up in it. when it happened, 
my mind, like, I'm always excited to see Evan Peters. And that's what I was excited about. I was like, what, Evan Peters? But, you know, in my mind, I was like, why? You know, like, what are they doing? What's the purpose of this? What does it mean? And if it does mean something like the X-Men universe is being amount, like the Fox X-Men universe, I should say, is being, I was like, that's not something I want. So I was like, you know, I'm hoping that's not the case, which I want. Luckily, it wasn't. I want the, I, for the most part, really enjoyed the X-Men Fox films. Yeah. Oh, and Evan Peters, uh, you know. Is a highlight. Yeah, he was great as Quicksilver. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was great. Well, I am, I'm ready for them to be done, which they are, but I'm I'm also ready for them to be done. But when he turned up as Quicksilver, because come on, that's what was happening here. We were all supposed to think it. Was oh, that that was the point. Yeah, of that course. That was the point. Yes. And I and I went with it and he said, like, what could this mean? But keep in mind though, it's already been announced that Alfred Molina from Spider-Man 2 is back as Doc Ock in Tom Holland's Spidey 3. Yeah. What's his face? Jamie Foxx is back as Electro. So the idea of Evan Peters turning up as Quicksilver didn't seem that out there, to be honest. And I guess the, the whole thing linking it as well is the fact that Wanda is next going to appear in Doctor Strange 2, you know, multiverse of madness. The, the whole thing of, okay, we're getting some sort of multiverse stuff happening, whether that happens in, you know, the third Spider-Man movie, but people are thinking it is because, you know, there's supposed to be a thematic thread between WandaVision, Spider-Man. Oh, No Way Home. We have a title for that movie already. I was, was going <laughs> to just keep calling yes, it, you know, yeah. Homecoming 3. It has Home a title. That, and, yeah, Home Slice. <laughs> and Doctor Strange 2. Um, and I guess, like, people are drawing these, like, big connections being like, yes, multiverse is happening. I know. The, so mul- this, the multiverse this, stuff, yeah. you know, it might not mean what people are thinking. We might not get... Alfred Molina's Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2. We might get Alfred Molina back as Doc Ock, but an MCU version of Doc Ock or a Doc Ock from another kind of universe within the MCU, if that makes sense. No, no, it does. Yes, They it, could have a multiverse. Yeah, it, could, it could be that. Created by, you know, like Kevin Feige and, and stuff. And there could be Easter eggs and homages and... You know, subtle I, little references. I would prefer that. I would, I would prefer it. It just so happens that Tom Holland's Doc Ock looks just like Alfred Molina. Yeah, just like you know, that. they do. Look at the look at like what DC do with their movies and TV shows. You know, like Smallville and you know, etc. There's probably way more examples. All everything in the most of the stuff in the Arabic. They'll get an old actor from. You know, like the the heyday, you know, like from the Superman movie with Christopher yeah. Reeve. You know, like, and they'll have an actor come back. They might not be playing that same character, but I just want to jump in back and That's the big distinction. They're coming back, and it's a nod to them playing a character previously. Yeah, what's happening? The fun with thing Spider-Man here. Man, oh oh yeah, not, okay. Not, <laughs> it's not a Spider-Man phone. <laughs> no home. way home. No, way, no home. way home. What's no happening home. there though is the actors are coming back and playing the characters. I would prefer, is, as you said, if they're playing yeah. not the versions of the characters they've played previously. But again, my point being, though, Evan Peters turning up as Quicksilver, you, you don't question it, really. You just go with it because, okay, we already know there's talks of what's happening with the Spider-Man films. 
we're getting multiverse of madness with oh like it was on it was on the table like i'm in my head i was like it they could be bloody doing that I'd be pissed, but they could be doing it. But they're not. Um, Instead, Evan no. Peters is playing a guy named Ralph Boner. Love it. Now, so Ralph when, is yes. the, the husband of oh, what, Agnes, doing, what Agnes at the time refers doing to. Doing the rewatch, <laughs> she's nonstop referring to Ralph. Ralph all in the those, time. It's, she's, and then you're like, oh, this is ridiculous. My husband, Ralph, blah, blah, blah. Often, like whether it's a movie or a show, when they do a big twist and reveal and it just doesn't land because there's been no real setup, but you go back on WandaVision and it's like, yeah, no, it was there all along. Like she only talks about a guy named Ralph. <laughs> it was Ralph and all it's along. Fake Quicksilver. <laughs> Yeah, it's fantastic. Was, um, I mean, it's, it was cool. People, I mean, again, like the internet is complaining that it's like, oh, it was a misdirect and it meant nothing, and it was like it was just for a boner joke. And I was like, look, the boner <laughs> joke was just was just a that was just bonus. bonus. Yes. That was a bonus. But <laughs> like, course. you know, it was just it was just such because they literally could have had any actor rock up and be like. Oh hey, you know I'm I'm your long lost brother Pietro, and it's like oh you know still had the oh they recast Pietro. If they were going to do that, why the hell not? Do I think it's the smartest, like, sort of um, Easter egg gag casting, whatever you want to call it, gag casting. Doesn't sound right. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> wrong, wrong movie, wrong type. To of have film. Evan Peters play that character, and but do you know what Evan Peters does a good job. Hey, in listen, whatever he's, he really does. He's, like, he's really some good. sort of yeah. weird. A skewed version of his character that he played in, like in the Fox X Men universe, but also like a version of the Pietro that Aaron Taylor Johnson played in Age of Ultron. It's like whatever, he's doing a good job, and there's something off about him as well because he's like, yeah. "Hey, sis, you know, like, how did you do this? Where have the kids been this whole time? Yeah. Nah, you're not doing anything but then, wrong." The way he's playing it, though, like, because she starts to test him or she tries to test him. And but yeah, then he avoids the questions. He doesn't answer her. And he thought, yeah, which I thought was like, it was handled very well. But then, you know, watching it for that second time, it, it's an interesting watch because you get, you, you're paying you know attention things, to yeah. certain things. Yeah, but Evan Peters is fantastic in this. He played it very well. Um, yeah, he was, he was brilliant. Did you notice the kick ass little I subtle did. reference? I did. Now, now, of course, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Evan Peters both appeared in. The kick-ass movies. I don't know. Noah like, Olsen was as well, wasn't She's a kick-ass, didn't she? Yeah. I did um, yeah. notice that. That was, um, kick-ass. Yeah. That was pretty fun. <laughs> we've, um, we've got a character, Sarah Proctor, played by Emma Caulfield Ford. She plays Dottie Jones in the sitcom, um, but she's she's a sceptical mum. She's like ruling the neighbourhood. She sees one of the more popular residents. Um and, you know, she's fine. She comes in and out and does what she needs to do. But yeah. I mainly want to talk about her, just so I can mention the fact that the house where she lives is Murtar's house from Luther Weapon back in 87, <laughs> which I thought was an interesting bit of trivia. And I couldn't really get there without talking about Dottie. But on that, <laughs> I just wanted to say this, this is why I went through um, the Dottie character. Wanda's house in the show is the same house that was used in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation from 1989. What? I know. 
Is it even two story her house? Oh yeah, it residential is. trivia. <laughs> I love it. No, it's always fun. Reusing props and yeah, why stages not? You've got a house you've used before, whether it's lethal weapon or hey, Christmas. Two hundred and fifty million per episode. They're saving money where they can. You have to. <laughs> you, you got it. It's the only way. With with Dottie, um, you know, I I enjoyed uh, Emma Caulfield, Buffy. You're playing Anya, standout character, one of my favorites, if not my favorite character. Hates bunnies, I love it, it's funny. Um, <laughs> but Dottie, I all, I, you know, like I said, you know, we watched this week by week. I thought Dottie was there was something more to it, you know. I think she was kind of escalated as a sort of character to be watching, but then for multiple episodes, like, you just don't see her again, you don't see it now. Watching the show, like from start to finish again, doing one clean binge. I think you get her enough. It's a different, a completely yes, different take. Yeah, She has a major sort of, she has her major episode and then she sort of pops up once again and then near the end, like at the end where, you know, she's sort of like pleading to Wanda, you know, just let me see my daughter. I'll do whatever you want. I'll play whatever you want. You see her again. And that's about it. It's enough. It's enough. It was it's a good completely different. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good payoff. That was quite impactful. Because then we started to hear, because we had that episode, the, the Halloween spooktacular episode and then fake quicksilver he's like saying hey where did all these kids appear from where were they before i get it it's cool you were just hiding them somewhere and then we hear that they were in the houses in the homes and held captive because again like you know when you get that big battle at the end you're cheering for scarlet witch of course you are but you know she's carrying around her own trauma there's going to be a lot of messed up people from Westview, <laughs> like you know, kids, <laughs> adults alike. Like she really did a number on oh, the people in this town. Yeah, like, I mean, I've got high praises for this show, like completely wonderful um, stuff. And, you know, I get it. Like the show is about like grief. And if anything, you could dissect the, the five stages of grief. Wanda pretty much goes through it throughout this episode, even including the flashback episode with, you know, like reveal like she's, she's, she's covering it but yeah like she is keeping these people captive and there's just one line from monica rambo in the last episode that i'm like this is a stupid thing to say where she monica says to wanda they'll never know what you sacrificed and i'm like i get where she's coming from but like she's held these people captive she hasn't sacrificed anything for them she's She's hurt them. Like she's caused damage. Well, no, 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 no. She, she's, she's sacrificed her husband and children. She, I know what Monica's could, referring yeah, to. I know. So, so that that is the that's it's the still sacrifice. a stupid line. Yeah, and then Monica makes a point of saying that she'd have done the same thing. She'd have brought her mom back. So she's relating to her. So I so I get it. But it is really if you just strip it back, I agree with you. It's horrific what Wanda has that's done true. to these people, especially. When you see people start to crack, I, I talked about before how you've got vision on the outskirts of the of the suburb, and people are just in those like repetitive motions where yeah. the further away from Wanda, the less control she has. So it's, it's a, a good it's a good way of um, addressing you know like the the lengths of even though Wanda has this immense amazing yeah, but power, she's not all there's a limit power. to it. Yes, exactly, not, and yeah. then. 
you've got people and they're doing these like just these short repetitive movements but then you're getting or close nothing at all or, and, or nothing at all but you're getting close and there's the tear down the cheek and then they mention later on how just let us go like even when you let us sleep we experience your nightmares like there's no rest for these people so yeah like it is it is messed up like whatever dark, happens man. next whether it's you know wonder in doctor strange 2 or whatever like there needs to be some follow-up from the events of this show like yes she saves the day at the end but she put everyone there but i thought yeah. it was interesting that when she goes to this town like the whole reason she's there in the first place and there's a plot of land it's that vision got it for them. Like it's where they were going to live and grow old together. And that's where it all came from. And then she's, she's mourning his death. But when she first arrives at Westview, people are almost walking around like zombies. Do you know it's that? Like people were just yeah. like, just... And that's why like fake Pietro and says like, you know, you've given them better jobs some great haircuts you know like they're, they're out and about the town looks great you know like, there's you know there's there's something to what he's saying there like there's a but point it's but still horrific it's like still... she's still taking she, she killed the held them captive she took yeah. free will away from them so she did so but i thought it was worth noting though that people were walking around they were in a rut everybody looked miserable but at the same time they then became captives in in their own bodies but we also get superheroics and wonder saves today so yay go superheroes yay. <laughs> uh, we've got the <laughs> the twins we've got billy maximoff played by julian hilliard and tommy maximoff uh, played by jet klein pretty cool we get them when they get when they age up because they do age rapidly you mentioned the child yeah, they're like they're like smaller for I think half an episode, I think. Yes, and then they grow yeah. up, and they stop at a certain point because they are older in the comics. Yeah, and they're like ten year olds. Yeah, and I did. I looked into it afterwards because I really, yeah, they were great in the show. They really well. We got to see them use the powers. I mentioned to Billy Maximoff in the comics does take does take on the alias of Wiccan, and. He ends up having a boyfriend, Hulkling, who looks like Hulk, but he's like half Skrull, Kree. Something's going on there. And they seem to be introducing the Young Avengers. What colour is he then? Green. <laughs> <laughs> but they seem to be introducing the Young Avengers. Like you're getting Miss America in, I think, the next Ant-Man movie. And then Kate Bishop Hawkeye in the TV series. Sure. So they're slowly introducing the Young Avengers, but they kept them at a certain age in this because they really wanted the audience to be able to relate to these kids and feel the loss. And I guess they were worried that if they aged them up too quick, the audience wouldn't have as much sympathy for them yeah. or you know be able to relate. I mean, the show is about, it's about family. As much as it's about loss and grief and dealing with all of that kind of stuff, which is cool. But, um, yeah, it's about family. You know, all the sitcom kind of... Um, emulations that we see are all family sitcoms you know dick van dyke show Bewitched, modern family the brady bunch uh family ties <laughs> i was like what else is it they're all family stuff it's pretty epic that in the last episode we get wanda vision and their two kids the twins mm -hmm. in a in a you know almost like the incredibles like a superhero stance and then you know like kids you were never, you know, we never trained you for this. 
but this is what you were born for. And it's, it's like cool. taking on the military. Oh, it's pretty epic. It's a it's the family going out there doing superhero stuff, even though they're not real. I'll stand by that debate. We can you know go into it longer, but it made you know, real. They weren't real. Real. I agree. Well, I guess she, the way that the hex works, she uses real material and stuff like that. Like when she makes her, you know, what we find out to be the fake vision, she has used materials in the earth and stuff like that to create vibranium. Like it's, he's real vibranium, which is, yeah, like she's creating real well, like creating real materials from real materials. She's well, he, manipulating the material. No, because she's... he's only he's only in the hex. The only thing that's real is the part of the soul stone or the infinity stone that is within her. No, 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 because sword is monitoring. They have a, a like a thing that can trace decaying vibranium and they can trace vision in the hex because he's made of real vibranium. Like she's taken minerals or whatever's in the earth to create the vibranium material. So oh, when okay. she physically makes him, he's, he's literally vibranium there. But he's only still not real vision. If he stays within the hex. In the hex, yeah. Outside yeah, the okay. hex, yeah, he would revert. Hence why he just turns into dirt again. Like he just starts to break away. But that was a whole, that was a whole thing, wasn't it? <laughs> On that though, white vision lifted straight from the comics. When we get him and they're together, they kind of have their Martha moment, but that's okay. And they <laughs> become best friends. <laughs> and then, well, Vision has this habit of, you know, having a very in, intelligent conversation. You know, like when he goes up against Ultron, just has a chat with him. It was a very good way of doing that. Yeah, I thought it was very cool. When we first see White Vision and he looks at his left arm, I'm assuming that's referenced in Age of Ultron the left arm was ripped off. And I believe yeah. that was by Ultron. So it's kind of carried over. So this, that. this white vision is, is made of the real body parts and materials of vision, the vision that we know from Age of Ultron, Civil War. Now, the Avengers movies, Avengers Infinity War, when he, you know, yeah. he died twice. Um, so that's literally his body. And then, yeah, there's that epic scene where they have their standoff and Hex Vision, it gets confusing here, but Hex Vision unlocks the the, the suppressed data within that. So within White Vision, two, who is the real vision, to bring it, back his yeah. memories. And, it's too, because they're the saying that it's too advanced that they're not able to wipe it. They yeah, obviously tried. This, not wiped it's still there it's just suppressed and hex so that was it unlocks it that was a genuine surprise that at the end of this show vision's actually out there and he leaves and then well, hex vision, off doesn't he <laughs> well that's fine that's okay because yes. it's not his show it's hex vision's show with wonder and he stays <laughs> and fights with the kids should and... be called wonder hex vision <laughs> but that was cool though so we've got an actual vision out there yeah so you know Fake death, uh, once again. <laughs> they always find a way to bring characters back. Tony Stark will be back in no time. I swear oh, no, 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 we'll They cannot. We will back. see him again. He'll no. be back. Honestly, I don't want him back. No, I don't I think either. he's done. I really He'll like He'll Danny be back Jr. in some capacity. I like him as Stark. I like Iron Man. 
Just you wait. We'll no, be. No, no, no. It'll happen, and you'll be like, oh, "I guess you're right." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I also think he'll be back, but I don't. I don't want it to happen. Oh I yeah, no, I don't want it to happen. Not. Funny thing with um, Paul Bettany. So during like press or interviews or whatever he was doing, he said to someone along the lines that there was an upcoming act. Well, there was an actor in the show that he had never worked with before that he wanted. He had been wanting to work with. And this show gave him an opportunity to, to do that. Key the, cue the internet to start speculating about who that actor might be. You know, we're talking huge names from Hollywood past and present. Who could it be? Turns out it was Paul Bettany talking about himself. <laughs> Tell you what, the guy's a character. I mean, I know he plays characters, but seeing him in that making of special and the roles that he's played over the years, yeah, I don't know. There's something very likable yes. about him. He's quite, I think... You want to hang out with Paul you Bettany, do. don't you? I you, think you just want to hang out with him. He's quite goofy, but in like a fun way. And I think, I reckon when we're getting silly vision in the show, we're getting, oh, like close, to, we're getting close to who he actually is. You know, and then he can put on the you know stone-faced, superheroic, you know, but I think he is quite... A, yeah, talking yeah. about the ship of Atheseus, you know, like, yes. it's, it's mental, man. But then yeah, it's yeah. also, we get, we get drunk Vision the magician. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not surprised oh, yeah. at all that he came out and said something like that. Um, I think you mentioned it already, but a thing that this show does very well is utilise multiple aspect ratios. Whether it's the sitcom, the widescreen action, depending on the decade. I didn't mention it, but I'll take credit for it. Yes, okay. yeah. <laughs> I thought we were talking about it earlier. But yeah, that, that was fun. But I enjoyed it as part of the first viewing. But then whenever you watch something a second or maybe in the third time, you're looking out for different things. So I was really paying attention to it the second yeah. time. It's more than just because you think, okay, easy. This, when we're in sitcom world, you know, it's the four by three, you know, the old school, you know, CTR TV kind of shape. And then it's like, and then you can differentiate with the, we call like the real MCU world that we're in. It goes widescreen, but like there's more to it, you know, like the way that the sitcoms are filmed, you know, you're talking about how authentic they're trying to make it. You know, they're, they're using static cameras. They're using multi cameras to capture things. It's all flat every now and then and like the music incorporates this as well like you know an angle would change and suddenly be more theatrical and cinematic as opposed to the sitcom you know standard flat style and that breaks that you we might still be in that smaller aspect ratio but it's like it's doing something because the characters are experiencing something that's not concreted into the sitcom world it's like there's so much happening there's amazing filmmaking actually going on in this it's fantastic oh there's so there's so much to enjoy like again like you know we're both at a second viewing i i could just go straight back in and do it a third time like there's there's so much happening in this like saying you can really appreciate the craft and the performances everything there's a lot going on now i was planning on us doing like a full dive into the episodes but i feel like we've kind of been weaving in and out of the episodes as we're well we can do a we can do a characters. quick thing just to just to cover and see if we've missed anything of interest that we want to mention i guess well i guess okay well on that i mean one thing we've not talked about at all then 
is the commercials, which for the most part feature in almost every episode, not all, but in most of them. Like if we're looking at the, the first episode, we've got a commercial advertising a Stark Industries Toastmate 2000 toast oven. And what I thought was really interesting about these commercials, I guess I kind of didn't really pick up on it in the first time, is that they're obviously also people in Westview that the role they're playing is to be in these commercials. Are they? Did you see them? Well, you only, see, you only see them in these commercials, but it's all part of it. So they're also yeah. going to be people from, from Westview. And most of them are live action, and you're seeing the same two people all the time. You get the one, I think, later on. Um, oh, it's during the All Halloween Spooktacular episode. It's a claymation commercial, which is pretty grim. You've got the little kid. Yeah. On the little island, the shark brings him a yogurt and he can't open it and he dies. Yeah. I mean, you're, what, you're like, it makes no sense, but obviously no. knowing what you know by the end of the show, it's like, oh, okay. You know, like the shark is eating, well, you, the, the shark has the your magic, your magic sort of thing. The kid on the, on the sand needs, you know, like the, the shark's taken that magic, put it in this thing, and it's like the kid needs to get into it but can't, and without that magic, withers away and pretty much dies. And that kind of happens to Wanda, well, almost does anyway. You know, Agatha comes in and is essentially eating her magic, taking her magic from her, and Wanda can't get to it anymore, so she starts to wither away and die. It's it's all crazy. And it starts with that toaster, like you mentioned, you know, like... And it's all like the first few are sort of like all the tragedies that happen throughout Wanda's life with the toaster being the Stark and uh, the Stark Industries sort of missile or whatever it was, you know, there's that red blinking light. And we see that later on with the flashbacks to, you know, when her parents were killed in Sokovia. And that's it. So these aren't just throwaway clips. The part of the show and the player part. And, And yeah, it's revealed in this just on that. She kind of had her powers already, or she had powers already. I, I still, I don't know, like, we don't get a concrete answer. Because my well, problem, like, I was like, I wait, what? She had powers I'm already. Saying, I'm saying they do, and by doing that, I mean, we know mutants are going to get introduced to the MCU. It's, yeah. it's a matter, only a matter of time before it happens. It's been confirmed that the mutants are coming. And what it's revealed here is that it didn't just not go off. It wasn't defective. She stopped it. It still doesn't. I mean, it doesn't. I stand by the fact the show doesn't concretely say it doesn't confirm that that's. It's that sort was, of hit, that was my and they question it, but we Agatha, don't know either way. I guess she's got a good handle on what's going on, and she was running her own investigation. But even, even she was she's, through. But that's it. She's working things out as she goes as as well during that whole my takeaway is that because i was saying now i mean how many people didn't survive that process of being exposed to the stone or it was loki's staff wasn't it until her and i think it's because she had something else prior but then pietro as well obviously you know also as we as we know yeah but the same she 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 used the spell but then early on she's like saying but i don't know spells i don't do spells whereas 
she does. She just doesn't realize it. Like whenever she's doing yeah. anything, it's a spell. Like it's but, just yeah. latent powers. But the commercials. How was that? <laughs> well, we, we, we never got to actually see, you know, her with the, um, with the Mind Stone sort of how that all sort of came about. We got a glimpse at that in this show. Um, and you, you see that sort of that, that image of that Scarlet Witch. I'm assuming Scarlet Witch because of the headpiece. Well, it was, uh, yeah. and Fortune Teller. Old, I don't know if that was legit. <laughs> that was pretty, pretty epic, pretty cool. And that was the first hint that it was like, oh, hey, there's something, you know, something's, the Scarlet Witch is... Something's happening. I saw after, after that episode, somebody did, like, they zoomed in close and the belt buckle, the headpiece matched perfectly what she wore in that final episode. Uh, so it was, definitely, it was definitely that. Other commercials, um, episode two. You get an advertisement for Strucker's watches. Yep. So that Strucker was, was the Hydra, the Hydra fella that was in charge. Well, was overseeing their, you know, their whole experimentation sort of stuff with them. Episode three, we've got a commercial advertising Hydra soap bath powder. This is a this is a weird one because um, I mean it's it's. I mean, Hydra, there's that. But like the last time I heard of Hydra soap, especially this blue soap, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Funnily enough, there was something about Hydra soap in that really weird. Hashtag it's all connected. <laughs> <laughs> only when only when they want. Well, that you know what? On that, mention Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the Darkholm book that she ends up with did first yeah. appear in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I'm not quite sure. Yeah, but it looked... It looked different, for okay. one. Maybe there's two. And yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why it's meant to be the same one. It's the ages of shoot gone, man. It's I gone. Mean, it's I'm sure Wanda's <laughs> going to get a lot more use out of it. Um, we get another commercial, this one for Lagos paper towels. This was a fantastic one. Like, first of all, the, the, the commercial itself was like pretty pretty confronting it's like oh like that red stuff is so bright like blood but this the like the tagline you know like for mistakes or for accidents or something you you didn't intend on making you know to, to clean that and it's like obviously referring to lagos where in captain america civil war you know like she she stuffs up and she you know blows up half that building whoops and that's always been a thing that's sort of tracked with her it's like you know her powers are a little bit out of control I really didn't expect this. I'm, I'm really happy that you were able to give so much. Oh, great. To... I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Did you, I mean, I mean you yeah. got the same takeaways from... from I'll, the... I'll keep setting these up and you keep... Oh, all right, sweet. You do your thing. Okay, so the next one, this one, episode seven. The advertisement is for Nexus antidepressants. Right, yeah. I mean, this is... <laughs> Look at me go. I mean, she... Um, obviously, the... The, the tagline, I would go to the tagline first. The, the idea of like the world doesn't revolve around you. Um, you know, like, like I said, the show's about grief, all that kind of stuff. That's all pretty surface level, obvious. The Nexus stuff, Nexus being the next, what's the other Nexus referral? It's like, it's all, it, it's like multiverse, interdimensional stuff. Maybe you know a little bit more about it than me, but as far as I got was, is Wanda Maximoff 
or is the Scarlet Witch a Nexus being? And if that's the case, holy shit, like the MCU can go in all sorts of directions now. Like, universe defining, multiverse defining. Just all, <laughs> every, anything, anything's on the table now, if that's the case, if that's, or is it just a subtle hint or a misdirect? Who knows? But there's certainly, well, there have been settling. Will it lead to a boner joke? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We've had that already. But they're setting it up to be all powerful, more powerful than this character, this character, all the characters. She's going to be one of the most powerful ones out there. So that's all the commercials. Episode four, we interrupt this program, which is the one you mentioned, you know, Monica, she comes back from the blip. Is it the blip? What are we calling it? I think in universe, they call it the blip. The blip. Oh, there was like news presentations and stuff that said uh, the blip is over. People were turning okay. on the blip. But let's say, say blip. So that episode didn't have a commercial, but that makes perfect sense because for the most part, we're in the real world. And then episodes eight and nine, so that's including the series finale, no commercial because we're moving away from the sitcom. Yeah, the, as of episode eight, the sitcoms are done, right? Like seven is the last one. That's the like the modern family yeah, so that was the Breaking the Fourth Wall episode. And then previously on, which was episode eight, which gave it like a big recap and brought us all up to speed with everything that had been going on behind the scenes that Wanda wasn't aware of. And then the series finale is the name of the series finale. Appropriately actually, all the, titled. All the episode titles are actually quite quite clever and they, they bang on each episode sort of thing. Yeah. So I feel confident that we have in some way or another covered the episodes. What we end with is a mid-credits scene, which was pretty cool. Haywood is arrested while Monica is informed by a squirrel that a friend of her mother's wants to meet. And then in a post-credits scene, Wanda is studying the dark hold in an astral form when she hears... The twins cry for help. So mm. let's address the scrolls first. So I liked that because already you've got a Captain Marvel connection in Monica Rambo. But for the most part, that's it. But then I was quite surprised, if I'm honest, to see a scroll turn up at the end of this show. I'm going to be like, why the hell not? Now, obviously, like, who, who do we think she's talking about? I mean, my guess is, is Nick Fury. You know, at the end of... Spider-Man Far From Home, which again is set after this show. Nick Fury's in space, with you know, hanging out with Skrulls. He's working with the Skrulls on Earth. Well, we saw that at the end of Spider-Man. That's literally what I just said. Far yes. From Home. Far, oh, from, yes. far From Home, yes. Yeah, that's what I just said. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that's, that's to come because that's set after this show. If she's, you know, this... Um, you know, if this scroll is referring to Nick Fury, maybe he's already up there. Maybe he's about to go up there. Maybe he wants to take her up there with him. Yeah, I don't know. There we go. But, but either way, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel two setup. I'm guessing right? it was sure. it was cool. And again, totally unexpected when she walks in to reveal herself to his scroll. That was pretty cool. But then the final scene that we get from the show, it's Wonder. She, you know, it's like a little cabin, very reminiscent of Thanos, you know, after he'd won. And he was in his sure, little yeah. cabin. And she's outside and she's drinking a tea or coffee. And then the kettle goes and she walks inside. And that's when you see 
that the Scarlet Witch. She's reading the book. She's got. Well, she's doing her. She's she's doing the Doctor Strange sort of, you know, yoga pose, floating above the bed. That's <laughs> it. And then she hears her kids. They are still out there, in some form. I mean, let's. I want to backtrack a little bit because I don't think we mentioned this, but you know what? When she's bringing down the hex, the hex wall, you know, she says about a vision. She puts. They put the kids to sleep. You know. They're, they're none the what They don't know what's going on. They just think, nope. hey, we're going to bed. We're going to sleep. And, you know, like, you know, they say their goodnights and, you know, Wanda says to them, you know, like, thanks for choosing me to be your mom. Like, that is pretty bloody heartbreaking. Mm. Even though in my mind I'm like, they're not real. Doesn't matter. But, you know, like, to her they were and they had an exp- they had this experience together. 100%, and yeah. In her mind, in her mind, to her, they're real. So I'll accept that. But then, yeah, we get to this post-credit scene and it's like, she can hear them. Like, is she in that, in that moment, is she access, is she accessing that dimension that she created? And obviously that's still in existence somewhere and she still has a passage to them. Does it open the door to, you know, like, can she bring them out and, you know, give them life? My guess would be yes, but in some form or another, they have survived this show and they are out there. And she was alerted to that in those final The twins are out there. (laughs) It's a great way to end it. The Hex Files, the twins are out there. That's it. Get Jimmy and Darcy. (laughs) They'll, um, They'll sort it out. All right, before we get to our rating, we've mentioned it already, the documentary special assembled. I got it slightly wrong. I thought this was a two-part docu-series that would bridge the gap between the MCU Disney Plus shows, whereas it turns out that we only have one week off. Well, technically, I mean, technically, technically the the end of WandaVision and the start of, um, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier is two weeks apart. It is two weeks. That's probably where you're, yeah, where you're misunderstanding. But I... I honestly thought that the docu series was going to be in two parts across two Fridays. This is a this is better. I prefer this. I think so the this, fact that it's a series is because uh, yeah, episode two will be the making of Falcon and Winter Soldier, or the Sam and Bucky show. Yeah, and then we'll cover it. each one. But again, I thought it was good anyway. I thought it was two weeks off, but it's one week. But if you're unfamiliar, Assembled is a one-hour behind-the-scenes special that's going to cover everything from start to finish you'll get to hear about the cast the production the music all of it so it's definitely worth a watch if you've not seen it already it was very handy having that what's prepping for this yeah how much stuff did we find i mean yeah blue face vision for example exactly so much the fact that they we talked about it's yeah. <laughs> the first few episodes they filmed in front of a live audience you know like i wouldn't have known unless we did the research ourselves, but yeah, it's all, it's all good stuff. It's definitely worth a watch. But okay, Jason, WandaVision, if you're going to rate it out of five. Well, um, okay. I mean, fantastic, phenomenal show. And um, I'm very proud of us for not even once mentioning, you know, the fact that, you know, robot sex between Vision and, and Wanda. So good on us, I think. We did a good job there. Um, but yeah, back to the, to the rating. We're doing so well. Weird, I'm sorry, I just had to do it. I was like, nah, I'm not letting you get away with it. Um, yeah, this is an achievement. And, you know, like, 
as we said from the start, you know, this is this is true Marvel Studios television. Um, it's the big screen on our small screens, or however big your screen may be. It really is that from production to characters, performances, music. It is the MCU as you know it on this small screen. Yes, this the premise of this is bonkers and there's so much going on, but I think that's the fun of it. You gotta go, just go with it. I was enjoying all the charm that came with those first two episodes. I had no idea what was going on. I had an idea of where the show was going, but I enjoyed the ride so much. Um, fantastic. The theorizing, even though things didn't turn out right, but I think the show that they made, the story they told about Wanda and her grief and all those stages that she was going through, you know, like fighting it, denying it, trying to come up with other solutions and eventually leading to her accepting and bringing down that hex. But then obviously, you know, a bit of a Shakespearean ending where not really a happy ending, but she came to terms with everything. Like what a journey, a good, now I know four and a half hour (laughs) sort of outing, um, it, it's it's like getting two Marvel movies in one, you know, the lengthwise. So it, it, it's great. It's just like a like a just a two part of two movie duo of Wonder and Vision together. And yeah, it's it's true Marvel studio stuff. I'm trying to land on a number. I mean, it's pretty awesome. There's there's some things, some narrative stuff I probably wouldn't have gone with. Things with like Monica getting her powers through Wonder, but that's all right. We'll see how that unfolds. Um, there were a lot of red herrings things set up, you know, like maybe it was us, maybe it was them, like the show, you know, hinted at, you know, like, Oh, an aerospace engineer. We'll meet them in a couple episodes. So I'm like, who? who is that? Some random character, not, not important. Okay. That's fine. That was our fault for building that up to be something. There's a lot of things happening. Some things are more obvious than others, but for the most part, I enjoyed pretty much all of it. 4.5 out of five like yeah it's up there man all the positives you just gave it there i just want to second that and i had an absolute blast watching this week to week enjoyed the rewatch as well it's you've got to have red herrings there's a mystery like they can't yeah. just tell, oh, that's right. <laughs> tell you what's going on they need to point in different directions and that would be too obvious i had so much fun with this you know, both viewings and it's just, it's phenomenal. Like I loved every, every minute of it. And I'm going to come in a little bit higher. I'm just going to come in at a five out of five. I, I mean, a little bit higher was, from 4.5 is, I'm going to give it an extra 4.5. <laughs> Where I, else is there to go? Five out of five. I love this. Yeah. And I said earlier, I could gladly sit down and watch it a third time, a fourth time. There's just so much going on. And even when, you've seen it, that first viewing and you know all the ins and outs. You can appreciate the craft. Like It's such a well-made TV show and you've got you know some actors from the big screen and they're really bringing the A game here. And I just had so much fun watching this. It's absolutely fantastic. Loved it. Five out of five. Oh, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be the show to follow this one up, would you? <laughs> Well, that's it for our episode <laughs> all about WandaVision. Hey, 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 the Falcon, the Winter Soldier. I, I'm sure. I told you. Our year in review show. show. What show did I say was my most anticipated television show of the year? Falcon and Winter Soldier. Well, there you go. It's there you go. This week, man. It's this week. You're, you're saving your 
five out of five. <laughs> if it's any, yeah, if it's anything, yes. If it's anything like one division or more, like, my God, man, yeah, it could be. Yeah, Marvel, just do shows like this. Oh, it could be shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to buy you from coming on the show. You completely disrupted my outro. I'm sorry. If you want to, one more time, us, I'm just going <laughs> to. Okay, from the top. Well, that's it for our episode all about One Division. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook. It sounds like comics podcast. Keep an eye out for our next review, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Cannot wait. We are literally days away. Is it, am I correct in thinking that is episode 100 of Sounds Like Comics? Yes, yes. And okay, I wanted guys go. to be able to celebrate the number. And then, yeah, perfect. Zack Snyder's Justice League will be episode 100. Jason, thanks for being on the show today. Oh, it was, it was a blast that I feel like, like therapy. <laughs> I feel like I've finally got a lot of stuff off my chest there. There's probably more, so maybe we'll talk, we'll talk further. Now we can openly talk WandaVision to each other. There'll be many things we can bring up. You're right. Maybe we can is, talk more about is, the yeah. Wonder and Vision um, hanky-panky. We'll like, pull do those that, beds together um, and... We'll do that off air. As always, thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time.